0: Thank you for joining me today here at Truth Unbound. I'm Walt Swain. So in light of the recent Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, can I ask you a question? What does a violinist and abortion have anything to do with each other? Oh yes, we're going going to go there. We're going to find out the answers God gives us about it. So get out your fiddle. We're playing this one to the end. Hey, just before we dive full into our topic today, Truth Unbound is being heard literally around the world in the U.S., and it's starting to help people. It's helping people find God's truth, to understand it with what is going on today in real life, and with it, the gospel is being preached. To God be the glory. And thank you for listening and sharing it with others. So to do more of this and keep spreading the word, click like. Uh, Hit all notifications, subscribe, follow, and share the podcast on your Facebook page, Instagram, text, however you can, and thank you again. Now, back to that violin and abortion problem. Judith Jarvis Thompson was an American philosopher, and she wrote throughout her career on ethical issues and other uh, topics, but this particular theory we'll describe in just a moment was presented by Thompson and was called A Defense of Abortion. It was in the academic journal Philosophy and Public Affairs in their fall of 1971 edition. Now inside her kind of rambling article, here's the key theory she presents to defend the so-called right of a woman to have an abortion. Here's what she says, now let me ask you to imagine this, you wake up in the morning and find yourself back to back in bed with an unconscious violinist, a famous unconscious violinist, and he's been found to have a fatal kidney ailment and the Society of Music Lovers has canvassed all the available medical records and found that you alone have the right blood type to help. They have therefore kidnapped you and last night the violinist's circulatory system was plugged into yours so that your kidneys can be used to extract poisons from his blood as well as your own. The director of the hospital now tells you, look, We're sorry the Society of Music Lovers did this to you. We would never have permitted it if we had known. But still, they did it, and the violinist is now plugged into you. To unplug you would be to kill him. But never mind, it's only for nine months. By then, he will have recovered from his ailment and can safely be unplugged from you. Is it morally incumbent on you to accede to this situation? No doubt it would be very nice of you if you did. A great kindness. But do you have to accede to it? She adds this later in the same article. If you do allow him to use them, meaning your kidneys, it is a kindness on your part and not something you owe him. Now she adds more to this, but that's her core argument, and we'll find out a poor one at that. Now, there's an added twist later on, but I'll I'll, just hold on with me and we'll address it then. So how does this explain the right to an abortion? Well, what Thompson is saying is that the unwanted baby cannot be forced upon her to be carried in her womb or her uterus. Now, remember I used the word uterus. I did, not her. Um, And we'll get back to that. Now, the baby is unexpected and not wanted and is considered an invader to her body and her right to life. And so she can eliminate that baby regardless of the consequences to the child, just like the woman who does not have to keep the violinist alive and cannot be forced to keep him alive. Now, it's very clever, and it sounds airtight, but it really isn't. So here's a few takedowns. Takedown number one. The violinist is not attached to her by any natural biological process. He is artificially connected to her through wires and tubes and all that. A baby, on the other hand, is naturally the result of the joining of two human beings of the opposite sex. The baby is not some kind of strange tiny person or alien or parasite invading her uterus against her will. Takedown number two. This leads us to remember that apart from rape, in 99% of pregnancies, and now let me back up, USA Today in 2019 quoted the pro-abortion Guttmacher Institute as literally saying, that only 1% of pregnancies are from rape and less than 0.5% are from incest. But anyway, in 99% of pregnancies, the pregnancy was the natural biological result of a consensual sexual union. In the analogy Thompson presents, it's as though it wasn't expected, like it's a complete surprise. How can you have a pregnancy from this? Even though since creation, thousands of years ago, every human being finds out that this is a biological fact, that when two people of the opposite sex come together, there's a very high percentage it will produce a pregnancy. Now, one could argue that the woman still did all that she could to prevent the pregnancy with protection, etc. But the package on the protective items warns this, and common sense tells you, that it doesn't guarantee still there will never be a pregnancy 100 percent of the time by using contraceptive methods this is simply using abortion or an excuse to use abortion as a method of birth control takedown number three it is one thing to allow someone to die due to natural causes outside of your actual control It is entirely another thing to intentionally withhold essential life-giving necessities, milk, food, warmth, etc., and kill a human being intentionally. Now, Thompson is correct in one way. It would be an act of kindness and very noble to allow the violinist to remain connected to the woman, but she's not obligated to allow it to happen. The violinist is connected because of an outside illness that will take his life. A baby is an internal, life-giving result of the physical act of love of that woman with a man. Takedown number four. The woman is not the only victim here in this analogy. The violinist, even if incapacitated, is really also a victim because he's being forced to be connected to her as well. A baby did not ask her ask to be conceived and brought into your life. Again, it is the natural result of a God-designed process of human produ- reproduction. So the baby, and in this case you can include rape and incest, the baby is a victim of circumstance and if killed by an abortion is also a murder victim. The baby's life is taken against his or her will. Take down number 5. What we also see without saying it directly is Thompson's analogy being entirely about the soundbite chanted endlessly by pro-abortion activists, and that is, my body, my choice. But it's not just about bodily freedom. They're really wanting bodily autonomy, no controls or restraints on the use of our body. What if the woman initially agrees to the arrangement, but then later on, after those nine months are over, she deprives him somehow of any necessities and he dies after all well that would be called murder or at best maybe voluntary manslaughter nevertheless it's an intentional taking of life and but if she refuses to help him while he is in that coma then it's considered morally permissible for her to unplug herself from him also remember this it isn't simply detaching a baby from the womb such as with the violinist and he dies a slow death, the baby is violently dissected by a machine. And in some abortions recorded on ultrasound, in the past, a baby is actually seen pulling back and away as though trying to escape from its attacker in the womb. Now, what about that uterus we said we'd come back to later? Well, we've arrived at that moment. Stephanie Gray Connors, a pro-life speaker and debater, she debated a pro-abortion professor at one time. And he goes on a tangent theory from the violin analogy by saying that what if your child's kidney fails, and he needs a kidney transplant, and you're the only one in the entire world that matches him uh, to give him your kidney, and he lives? But should you as a parent be forced by law to give that child one of your kidneys? Well, the answer is and should be no. The parent should not be forced to, but only on grounds of a free will choice of great compassion to do so. His point was this, that the woman should therefore not be legally obligated to allow her womb, her uterus, to be used by the baby. Now, Mrs. Connors in that debate describes how she sensed God giving her an answer to this when at first she was stumped for a moment. And here is what she said in response. Uh, Basically is this, The kidney is designed and exists for a person and their body alone. But but the uterus is unique in that it is literally designed and exists to be used by and bring another human being, a person, into the world. Now, based on that, then the baby actually has a human right to inhabit and be born out of the woman's uterus as well. Hmm. Well, by the way, by the way, <laughs> the link to the video of this uh, of, of her describing all this is in the description of this podcast. Now lastly, the interesting part of this violinist analogy is that for it to work at all, the pro-abortionist has to concede that the baby is not a clump of cells but is indeed actually a human being and is a person. Now, this goes against the vast majority of pro-abortionists who scream loud and clear all the time that the the fetus is just a clump of cells and isn't human yet and definitely not a sentient person. So that's a big oops for the violin analogy. So what then does God say in his truth to all this? And there's so much we could read, and, but we're going to read simply from Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18. And it says enough. This passage says this, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. God's truth says that each human being is made by God and made by God to be unique and special, made in His image. No baby is a piece of trash to be thrown in the toilet or trash can or to be used for experiments. That baby's a human being a person made in the image of God and God says that you and I are made in his image but we are far from him forever due to our sin yet through Jesus alone the son of God himself coming down to die on the cross and raise from the dead you are given the opportunity to turn from that sin and believe in him and in so doing he grants you forgiveness of sin and gives you eternal life and I hope that you will make the decision if you haven't already I hope you make the decision today to simply tell him, God, I'm a sinner. You died for me on the cross for my sin. You took my punishment. You rose from the dead. I believe in you. I believe in what you did. Forgive me. Receive me as your own. Here's my life. I'm yours. Now, if you made that choice to receive and follow Jesus, then uh, let us know here at Truth Unbound, and we will get you connected to the next steps in your new faith in Christ. And if you're a a lady struggling with a pregnancy that you're scared now to carry this child and bring into this world, I have put a number to call right here. And now, would you call that number? And someone will help get you the help that you need. Let them show you God's love and design for you and your baby, and they will get you the tools you need to begin this new phase of life. Well, thank you again so much for being here at Truth Unbound today with me, especially in such a tough and sensitive subject. And I hope that maybe we've helped you just a little bit to to think or maybe rethink your views and answer your doubts about this. Just remember to like and to follow, subscribe, and share this podcast with everyone you can and follow Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you'll always follow the truth.